Mike, I'm Linda Dawson. And I'm Glenn Dawson, and you're listening to Preparing Our Heart for Worship podcast. Welcome and come on in. Well, it's that time of the year again, Glenn. It sure is, and I can hardly believe another year is almost come and gone. But here it is. Christmas again. Linda, what are we doing today? We're doing something a little different today, Glenn. We're looking at two songs today. Two Christmas songs. It came upon the midnight clear in O Little Town of Bethlehem. Why are we doing that? Because you made a beautiful arrangement and recorded it that way a few years ago. Oh yeah, I remember now. Well, let's get started with the first of the two songs. Tell us what the first verse is. It goes like this. It came upon the midnight clear, that glorious song of old, from angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold. Peace on the earth, goodwill to men, from heaven's all-gracious king. The world in solemn stillness lay to hear the angels sing. The second verse. Still through cloven skies they come, with peaceful wings unfurled. And still their heavenly music floats o'er all the weary world. Above its sad and lonely plains, they bend their hovering wing. Mm-hmm. And ever o'er its babble sounds, the blessed angels sing. And ye beneath life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way, with painful steps and slow, look now. For glad and golden hours come swiftly on the wing. Oh, rest beside the weary road, and hear the angels sing. For lo, the days are hasty gone, by prophet seen of old, when with the ever-clinging years they come the time foretold, when peace shall over all the earth and ancient splendors fling. And the whole world send back the song, which now the angels sing. It came upon A Midnight Clear, is an 1849 poem and Christmas carol written by Edmund Sears, pastor of the Unitarian Church in Wayland, Massachusetts. The historical context shed some light. Massachusetts native Edmund Hamilton Sears earned a degree from Harvard Divinity School and was ordained a Unitarian minister in 1839, serving congregations throughout Massachusetts. Unitarian minister Edmund Hamilton Sears wrote his carol, The Angel's Song, It Came Upon the Midnight Clear, from the wellsprings of his profound faith in God and the belief that through the centuries God sends his emissary angels to earth with a resounding message of peace. He also wrote his carol while recovering from a devastating illness and from the depths of profound despair. In 1849, when Reverend Sears wrote his carol, the United States still suffered from the aftermath of the Mexican War and the burning issue of slavery that in another decade would ignite the Civil War. Europe reverberated with revolutions, and people all over the world warred with themselves and each other. No one seemed to be listening to angels' songs of peace. 
It's unlikely that Reverend Sears thought of his songs as a carol or that his contemporaries considered it to be a carol, at least not at first. Traditionally, carols were defined as a celebrating a season topic, and they featured alternating verses and chorus and music suitable for dancing. From the 1150s to the 1350s, carols were popular as dance songs, and gradually their role expanded to processional songs that people sang during festivals. People also used carols to accompany religious mystery plays. Carol singing declined after the Protestant Reformation because Calvinists disliked what they considered non-essential practices connected with Roman Catholicism. When Reverend Sears wrote the Angel's Song in 1849, carols were just beginning a 19th century revival. As famous composers began to write new and contemporary versions of their ancient forms, and it came upon the midnight clear, was one of the first of these new carols. Like carols, and carol singing and dancing, Reverend Sears was experiencing a rebirth in his own life when he wrote The Angel Song. Born April 6, 1810, on a farm in western Massachusetts, within the site of the Brookshire Hills, Edmund Sears was the youngest of three sons of Joseph and Lucy Smith Sears. As a child, Edmund loved the Brookshire Hills near his farm. He later told a friend and colleague, Chandler Robbins, that he imagined the hilltops touched heaven and that angels' messengers rested on the hilltops between heaven and earth on their errands of love. Edmund's father, Joseph, taught him to appreciate poetry. And later, Edmund wrote that as a child, he often did the chores with pieces of poetry running through his head. Both his father, Joseph, and his mother, Lucy, taught Edmund the importance of moral principles and encouraged his love of study. The American Unitarian Association supported his work as a missionary in a frontier area around Toledo, Ohio. And in 1838, he served at the First Congregational Church and Society in Wayland, Massachusetts, where his congregation was so impressed by his character and preaching that they called him to settle permanently with them. The church ordained and installed him as a minister in February of 1839. While Edmund practiced his student preaching in Barnstable, Massachusetts, he met Ellen Bacon, and they were married in 1839. Since he didn't have ambitions for a large city pulpit, Reverend Sears and his wife settled down for a quiet country life in Wayland. As his family gradually grew to four children, Reverend Sears discovered that he needed a larger, richer church to support his family, and between 1840 and 1847, he served a congregational church in Lancaster. In Lancaster, he suffered illness and depression, and his condition grew so severe that he couldn't 
project his preaching voice loud enough for a large congregation to hear or endure the physical work required to sustain a larger congregation. Although some 21st century Christians brand it came upon the midnight clear, a humanist carol, the theology of Reverend Edmund Sears centered intensely on Christ. He believed that Christ was fully human and fully divine and the mediator between God and man. Nearly 200 years later, this carol is still bringing peace and comfort to those who feel stressed and flustered in their lives, particularly at Christmas time. The next year, the tune, Study Number 23, a setting for the hymn, See Israel's Gentle Shepherd Stand, was written by Boston composer Richard Willis who is said to have worked as an editor at the New York Times. Shortly thereafter, the tune, now with the title of Carol, was rearranged to fit the meter of Sears' poem, possibly by Willis. Josiah Burnup was responsible. This is a Christmas carol that doesn't focus on the Holy Family, but the song of the angels, Luke 2.14 says, The angels said, Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. He struggled with the It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, dark world full of sin and strife, and not hearing the Christian message. The troubled context found in the song was inspired by the turbulent times in which he lived. He is said to have written the hymn at the request of his friend, Reverend William Parsons Lunt. One account says the carol was first performed by parishers gathered in Sears' home on Christmas Eve. But it is unknown to what tune, as Willis's familiar melody was not written until the following year. However, the song was taken from a poem Edmund Sears had worked on for a dozen years, from angels playing near the earth to touch their harps of gold. The hymn is a Christian favorite among many Orthodox Christians. The angels bending near the earth to touch their harps of gold, coming through the cloven skies with peaceful wings unfurled, bending on the hovering wing to sing of the Messiah's birth. It's a wonderful imagery, and Christmas wouldn't be the same without it. It is true that the hymn does not, in fact, mention God or the Lord Jesus Christ, and that Sears was a Unitarian minister, but there is more to him than meets the eye. He was theologically very conservative by Unitarian standards, believing in a fully human and fully divine Christ. He was deeply interested in the mystical tradition and had a theologically independent mind which sometimes took him off in odd directions. It's possible to read It Came Upon the Midnight Clear as a humanist hymn, but that does not really do justice to either its author or to the hymn itself. Sears was a devout Christian who was deeply troubled by the state of the world around him, and he wrote the hymn to express God's desire for peace through the rule of the Prince of Peace. Now let's take a look at 
O Little Town of Bethlehem. O Little Town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary, and gathered all above, while mortals sleep, the angels sing, their watch a wondering love. O morning stars together, proclaim the holy birth, and praises sing to God the King, and peace to men on earth. How silently, how silently, the wondrous gift is given, so God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend on us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born to us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. Phillips Brooks, the composer of this famous Christmas carol, was born in Boston on December the 13th, 1835. He came from a long line of Puritan ancestors, many of whom had been congregational clergymen. His parents became connected with the Episcopal Church. He was reared in the strict ways of the evangelical wing of that church. He had the typical Boston education, the Latin school, and then Harvard, from which he was graduated in 1855. He was then for a few months a teacher in the Latin school, but there he had the humiliating experience of complete failure. He soon decided to enter the ministry and studied at Alexandria Seminary in Virginia. In 1859, he became rector of a small church in Philadelphia. Here his sermons attracted much attention, and in 1861 he was called to be the rector of the Church of the Holy Trinity in the same city. Many hymns were written originally for children have captured the imagination of everyone. Such is the case of O Little Town of Bethlehem. In a trip to the Holy Land in December of 1865, the itinerary included a horseback ride from Jerusalem to Bethlehem on Christmas Eve. Back then it truly was a small village, far removed from the bustling city it would later become. By nightfall, he was in the fields where, according to the tradition, the shepherds heard the angelic announcement. Then he attended the Christmas Eve service at the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. Something about the beauty and simplicity of that visit stayed with Phillips Brooks when he returned to America. Several years later, when he wanted a new song of Christmas for the children to sing at his church, he reached back in memory for inspiration from his Holy Land visit. The poem he wrote painted in words the sights and sounds of that little town of Bethlehem he had visited. 
Writing to the little children of his congregation, he recalled that first visit. I remember, especially on Christmas Eve, when I was standing in the old church in Bethlehem, close to the spot where Jesus was born, when the whole church was ringing hour after hour with the splendid hymns of praise to God. How again and again it seemed as if I could hear voices I knew well, telling each other the wonderful night of our Savior's birth. What come from his pen was a Christmas carol that has lived to be a wonderful favorite. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Then he asked the church organist, Louis Redner, to compose a simple melody for the children to sing on Christmas Eve. Mr. Redner sat down to the piano to find just the right tune to carry the descriptive words, but nothing he wrote seemed to fit. On the night before the Christmas Eve service, he felt defeated, so he went to bed. During his fretful sleep, it seemed that he heard music. Immediately he got up and wrote down the melody, just as we sing it today. When he joyfully presented it to Reverend Brooks, he said, I think it was a gift from heaven. The children sounded like a choir of angels as they sang the new carol written just for them. O Little Town of Bethlehem quickly became a favorite after it was published in 1874. We are blessed to continue singing it, over 100 years later. Redner noted that the simple music was written in great haste and under great pressure, almost on the eve of Christmas. It was after midnight that a little angel whispered the strain in my ears, and I roused myself and jotted it down as you have it. Its history as a hymn began then, and a large part of the credits for its popularity must be given to Mr. Radner, organist of the Church of the Time, also superintendent of its mission, and teacher in the church school. The carol now found its place established in the songbooks, and new tunes have been written for it too. But it is safe to say that Mr. Redner's music was what carried the carol into the attention and popularity. If the tune which it was sung to at that service had been unsuccessful, it is unlikely that the carol would have ever been reprinted or heard again, at least during Bishop Brooks' life. Philip Brooks was a giant of a man who stood six feet eight inches and had a big heart that endured him to young and old alike. There were toys in his office for the many children who visited him. It was a familiar sight to see the beloved bishop sitting on the floor playing a game with a group of children. He never married, but other people's children became like a family to him. When he died unexpectedly in 1893 at the age of 58, everyone was overwhelmed with grief. It was a child who put his death in a beautiful light. When told by her mother that Bishop Brooks had gone to heaven, she simply said, 
Oh, Mama, how happy the angels will be. Bishop Brooke was a most famous preacher and the most widely loved clergyman of his time. The shock of his death was felt in every branch of the church throughout the land. For while many disagreed with his opinions, none who knew him in his work could withhold their admiration. The word that seems best to describe him is great. He was great at physical proportions, great at endowment of genius, great in the power of work, extraordinarily great in his personal influence over men, and greatest of all in the moral elevation of his character, an ever-deepening spirit of consecration in Christ's service. Christmas season is a wonderful time of the year. I heard an old-timer once say, People are almost human at Christmas time. Well, it is a time of wishing folks well and giving to others. Everyone seems so festive and happy. There is beautiful music and colorful lights, great entertainment, and it's a time when we all seem to remember the birth of our dear Savior and Lord, a time when we rejoice at our salvation and eternal happiness. We don't want to take anything away from this wonderful time of the year, but did you know there's nowhere in the Bible that we are told to remember Christ's birthday? And because of the miscalculation of early calendar, Christ's birthday was really probably June or July time frame. In ancient Rome, December the 25th was a celebration of the unconquered sun, making it return of longer days. The church in Rome begins celebrating Christmas on December the 25th in the 4th century during the reign of Constantine, the first Christian emperor, as an attempt to appease the pagan rituals of the time. It was an effort to unite all the people under one church head as the church and the state were becoming one. So Constantine declared December 25th, the day of Christ's birth. All that said, Christmas is a delightful time and a wonderful time of the year. It's good to remember that Christ came into the world, birthed like we all are, and lived life in the same world we live, and was God in the flesh. That's right, Linda. While there's nothing holy about December the 25th, we should remember Christ's birthday every day. And it's a great time for us to share what this means with other people. People's hearts and minds are on the message of Christ and what his coming is about, so it's a good time to share your faith. Ask your friends if they have met the Savior. Tell them how he changed your life. It might be eternally significant. Now let's listen to Glenn play. It came upon the minute clear an old little town of Bethlehem on the tenor saxophone.
it's always nice to have you visit with us. Life is so much better when you come and share a little time with us and set our hearts in harmony. You are such a blessing. We love meeting new folks and visiting with old friends. In our 50 years in the ministry, we've met a lot of our eternal friends, and it's been a fine ride down the King's Highway. Our health is doing so much better, and we thank you for your prayers. We are setting up a video studio to add a video stream to YouTube. We are grateful for the new ministry opportunity. We want to bring new content to you that will bless you on down the road to heaven. It's been an exciting challenge to get this going. The distributors of our program need to know what programs people listen to, and those programs that have been watched most get transmitted to the most people. We're working hard to prepare a program that is interesting and enjoyable and also a blessing. You can let us know if you have any suggestions that might help us with that. You can help us a lot by subscribing to our channels on your provider of the service you are listening to us on. By subscribing, you help us get our numbers up, and for most of the providers, it will cost you nothing. You won't be put on a mailing list and spammed. This only tells the providers of the service that you like us and enjoy the program. So subscribe to us. For example, on YouTube, press the thumbs up button when you see it. Then press subscribe. You can also click on the bell if you'd like to be reminded when our podcast has been uploaded. In addition to our podcast, we have a quickly growing list of songs that you could listen to for free. The music that we have released to the web can be found by searching for The Music of Glenn Dawson. Be sure to subscribe and like that too. We are a 501c3 nonprofit called the Glenn Dawson Evangelistic Association. We never charge for anything in this ministry. When we get donation, it goes 100% into the ministry to pay for ministry expenses. There are no salaries for this work, and no one is making anything from it. All of our podcasts we have ever done are stored on the web, and you can find them by searching for Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. That way you can catch up on those podcasts you might have missed. Hey, we all love you and hope to see you again real soon. Bye for now, and God bless and keep you.